What's up, podcast listeners? Uh, you know, very few times do I really get nervous to have a podcast. Uh, and uh, I'll say this this nervous, uh, nervous energy turned into a ton of excitement because I got to hang out with the amazing Gail Troberman on this episode of the Matt Baxter Show. She is the chief marketing officer for iHeartMedia. And part of the reason why I was, you know, a little bit nervous, a little bit excited is because she literally helps millions of people listen to podcasts every single day. And so when you have her as a guest, you kind of have to, you know, nail it. And I think we did. We covered so many different awesome topics. We talk about her background. We talk about her experience of uh, what it's like to go from, you know, the transitions of media and how that's evolved and shaped and changes daily and what people are interested in and how that's, how that's uh, change on a regular basis from radio to podcast to news and all these different things. Um, she has been the uh, chief creative officer for Microsoft. She's currently the chief marketing officer for iHeartMedia. She's covered some amazing, massive brands and had such an impact. So we talk about marketing, branding, distribution, all these different things. And this episode is just so fun. But more importantly, Gail's just awesome. So if you get a chance to listen to this, I would strongly encourage you to, and also encourage you to share this because her message needs to be heard far and wide. And so Gail, thank you for who you are. Thank you for uh, being such an amazing guest on this podcast and just an even more special human. So I hope everybody enjoys this episode just as much as I did. Gail, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Oh, thanks, Matt. Great to be here. Uh, where in the world are you recording from? Uh, I am uh, here in the Gilded Age of Newport, uh, Rhode Island. So we're spending uh, some time here this summer. I love that. Very different, but I go to Newport Beach, California about once a month, but a little different. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's great. It's like history meets beach. Uh, yeah. It's a spectacular place. That's awesome. So, I mean, we're going to have some fun with this conversation um, and I'm, I'm really excited, but do you mind just sharing your background? What, what What's led you up to today? Sure. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I'm a, you know, marketer who's sort of sat on every side of the marketing table. I think it's kind of what gives me unique perspective and maybe a little bit of empathy on a good day. Um, I started in, uh, at, uh, big advertising agencies in New York and entry level jobs. And they kind of have you move around a bunch, um, until you find your kind of your fit. And I wanted to be a creative and uh, the first place they put me was in PR, and then I got promoted before I ever got back to creative. So I started my career in PR, which I always thought was a really great thing because, you know, it's um, you learn all the basics of marketing when you don't actually get to buy the media and decide where things go. You know, you learn the art of the pitch. You learn how to, you know, really get to the point um, to understand what's going to matter when you're doing earned media versus when you get to like control what you make and decide where to put it. So I've always said I was like really lucky that the the fundamentals of PR I think have really helped me in marketing. Um, and then I uh, I got uh, I uh, found my way to a, a little software startup in uh, Redmond uh, you might know as Microsoft. Uh, Never heard of it. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was a was a a series of you know I I say a lot when I talk about career stuff. Uh, I've just been really lucky and kind of stumbled intentionally uh, towards smart people and and scary opportunities and good things happen. And I got a call from a, a guy, this amazing genius dude at Microsoft, who was couldn't tell me much, but he was uh, he was going to start the these secret internet projects at Microsoft in the 90s. And um, someone had passed my card on to him and uh, we 
we uh, we just grooved on the phone and he was just smart and asked all the right questions and uh, flew me out to Seattle and I ended up taking a job. Uh, I'd never been to Seattle. I'd barely been on the internet and I was running marketing for these, you know, internet startups that became, you know, sort of the number one vertical, you know, players in most spaces on the internet. So sidewalk and carpoint and Expedia and sort of all these, you know, vertical uh, e-commerce properties. Um, and it was just a crazy wild ride from there. I did branded content at Microsoft. I became chief creative officer, uh, went to the center of the beast and ran advertising for a bit in my last gig at Microsoft. And, um, uh, and, uh, that, uh, kind of led me to a job at, uh, IPG at media brands, I got to see life on the other side of the table after running a bunch of agencies. Um, and then I met Bob Pittman and he made me realize I didn't know a whole bunch about audio and there was this massive undervalued opportunity. And he convinced me to come help him rebrand a company known as Clear Channel to iHeartMedia. And uh, that got me here as the CMO of iHeart where I've been for a bit. Um, and I love evangelizing audio to marketers because I, I do think it's still an underutilized just massive opportunity. So it's been a really fun ride. I've been really lucky. I, I mean, the, the journey is amazing. And also some of the companies you've had a chance uh, to be a part of. Obviously, it's, it's a remarkable story. So when you started your career, what did uh, marketing and PR, because obviously you, you got into PR pretty early on, what did marketing and PR mean to you then versus how is it the same and how is it different now? Oh, great question. Um, I mean, I think the fundamentals of marketing rarely change. You know, it's 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 really simple when you break it down. You know, today people think or do this and tomorrow I want them to think or do that. And what is that idea in between those two actions or those two perspectives? And how can I change people's perspectives or um, get them to think or feel or believe or want something? Um, so, you know, that, that to me, when I break down, what do we need to do? I always just start with that simple premise. Um, and it's amazing how, you know, sort of that reductive thinking can get you to a core idea. And then what's changed, you know, I think it, insanely and will continue to change is um, how consumers are going to, how and where consumers are going to be um, receiving your message. So certainly, you know, there's, you know, traditional media and media plans and the power of reach and frequency, which still matters just a ton, I think more than people realize. Um, and I think a lot of us as marketers have, we've, uh, I always say this, like, I think we've never had more data in the history of marketing. And I think we're making more uninformed biased decisions <laughs> than we ever did before. It's really bizarre. I don't know if it's a positive thing, but it's refreshing to hear you say that. <laughs> it's just, it's so true. You know, it's just, um, you know, when you have, when you have endless ways to create data, you know, poll people, do surveys, measure what people are doing, you can, you can create any, almost any narrative. So it's really, you know, it's really hard to always understand exactly what's working. Um, we spend a lot of time at iHeart, you know, um, uh, reminding people that that like things like broadcast radio still have crazy reach at way lower CPMs with really high engagement, and you know, and I think a lot of people have moved away from um, 
from the power of broadcast radio. And as you're, you know, you're looking at a recession and people are cutting budgets, you know, sometimes I just remind people like, you know, if I can reach nine out of 10 moms on broadcast radio in a live high engagement conversation, why would you not want to be there at a third the price of your digital video? or a TV spot. So, you know, I think the wares continue to change, you know, as much as we are 850 broadcast radio stations live right now, having unscripted conversations at iHeart, we're also launching iHeartland in the metaverse. Hmm. So, um, you know, we like to play everywhere consumers go. Um, But it's always, for me, it's always about a balance of, you know, predictable reach and frequency and get making sure people hear your message um, at scale. Um, and then one of my other, you know, things I think that's changed a ton and I'm not sure for the better is this idea of targeting, right? We've always had target audiences, but they're like, they're the epicenter, you know, there may be the bullseye of your audience, but if you just reach, you know, we all, we all do all this research and it's the fun part of marketing and who are the gritty strivers or the ambitious adventure seekers. And, you know, we figure out who this archetype of a, the customer we really want or we really think is about our brand. And then the reality is, you know, I'm sure if you asked, you know, a, a company like Under Armour, Nike, you know, who their target customer is, they would describe, you know, this, this, this this archetype at the center of their bullseye. But the reality is, you know, my mom's wearing Nikes, right? And so, you know, she's 80. Um, And so I, you know, I really feel like, I think sometimes targeting gets in the way. And I think our human biases, I I actually do a little uh, clubhouse to podcast show called Maybe You're Not the Target. (laughs) <laughs> I, <like> it. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that's changed Just a lot. Is call on like self-awareness to some people, which is big. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, as much as because you and your friends pickle vegetables in Brooklyn doesn't mean the average American who's going to buy your client's products uh, is living the same lifestyle or interested in the same things you are. So, it's you know, so, it's, it's, it, it, sorry, keep, please. It's, it's really funny to hear you say that. So I, I own a, in my day job, I own an HR tech software and we oftentimes are talking about, man, this feature would be great for us or man, as we're hiring, but also like us using our own software, we're not really the target to be building this product. And so it's much more focused on like our actual users. So sometimes we have to remind ourselves like, yes, you hope what you want the product to do and what your customers are somewhat similar, but at the same time, our opinion matters way less than theirs. And it's, I, I don't know, it, it yeah. For, you have to force yourself to take a step back every once in a while. No, it, and listening to customers, right? Mm-hmm. Really simple principles. But, you know, it's it's interesting. iHeart really keeps you honest because, like I said, we're right now, um, we've got the number one podcast network. We've got a great streaming service in our app. But we also are, you know, live right now having these real humans on radio from, like, the smallest country station in, you know, in Tennessee to the biggest, most badass urban hip hop show, like the breakfast club and everything in between right now. And, and the product is that, um, and the reason nine out of 10 Americans still listen to broadcast radio is because they're not tuning in for music. Music is a part of what we do, but you have the world's music in your hand right now on your phone. 
right? You're tuning in for companionship and, and human conversation with people you, you get to know over, you know, days and weeks and years. And now you do that live on radio and you do it sort of on demand with podcasts. But it's a lot about spending time with other humans. It's not just about listening to music, which there's lots of ways to do that on iHeart and, and lots of other places. And I think we sometimes we forget that, like why people are tuning in or like I said, who who really are the consumers in America? And they're, you know, they're they're living real lives in real places. They're worried about gas prices, you know, and I think a lot of us as marketers live in some very lovely um, and somewhat privileged bubbles. And it's really important if you're marketing to America or any market to, to get out there and, and listen to those customers, get in touch with how they spend their days, what are their challenges and what are their issues. And sometimes you can realize that your, your messaging that you and your friends would like is so tone deaf to the <laughs> real consumer who is probably the person that your, you know, your brand or your company needs to find to, to drive real growth at scale. So throughout your career, and hopefully this is not a weird question, throughout the course of your career, um, have you enjoyed telling the story from a marketing perspective, PR perspective, advertisement perspective of one entity at a time, or do you like doing a bunch at once? Basically, like, do you enjoy sort of marketing for a single company or more of like an agency where you get to tap and support a bunch at the same time? Which have you sort of enjoyed better? Yeah, you know, they're, they're total trade-offs, and that's probably part of why I've bounced back and forth between those. I'm sure they're vastly, although it's marketing, if you will, vastly yeah. different, I'm sure. Oh, totally. You know, when, um, when I was at Microsoft launching like one internet property at a time, um, you spent just a ton of depth time really knowing those brands. And even when, you know, when I ran advertising as a, as a chief creative officer, you know, you know, we went deep on windows. We were spending hundreds of millions of dollars. We did tons of, you know, research and testing and campaign development. And, you know, the cycles were long, like we'd spend months creating advertising. And I think that's one of the other things that's changed, um, probably in the, in this modern era of marketing is I think people, I think the cycles have sped up um, and people are, you know, they're spending less time in that pre-development phase and they're spending more time just like, uh, don't overthink it, put it into market, see what works, learn on the fly and keep pivoting and adapting. But I love, you know, I love both. I love the, the privilege of actually really learning a brand and a product and a business and understanding the nuance and what drives it and what gets people excited about it and, and what doesn't. Um, but I also love, and my, my job at iHeart's a good example. Um, I do, you know, I spend probably about half my time marketing iHeart and our properties and our, our uh, products, both for the B2B audience and the consumers. And I probably spend the other maybe half of my time um, helping our clients and brands understand how to use iHeart to, uh, to reach their consumers. So, you know, I'm kind of like a professor of audio advertising, yeah. which is fun because to your question, I get to work on, you know, I get to team, you know, talk with, you know, uh, T-Mobile about what their challenges are. And then the next day we're talking to Pepsi about a new product launch and, you know, and I get to actually work with all these amazing marketers and agencies and, hear their briefs and learn what their challenges are, and then try to figure out the best way to bring 
iHeart's audiences, iHeart's events, iHeart's podcast creators, our on-air personalities, sort of all the tools in our toolkit to the table to solve lots of different problems for different brands. So I get it's a good hybrid job that way. Yeah, I get I to go it. deep and then I get some diversity of thought too. I love that. Um, can you think of a, can you think of a fun or a, can you think of like a scrappy marketing campaign or idea or launch or something that maybe wasn't tons of money behind it, but worked really, really well? Like one throughout your career that was like totally sure. kind of like a hack together, but it worked really well. Any, any, any stories like that come to mind? Yeah. Yeah. This was one of my favorites. Um, so uh, like I said, I was starting um, in 96 at Microsoft. So this was probably around 97. We started launching the first online city guides and it was a, for one of the first products I worked on there, it was called sidewalk.com. And um, we launched in, uh, we were launching sidewalk.com. I think the second city we, we tested in Seattle and we were launching in New York and we had a, a local uh, marketer in New York and uh, he, you know, we had really small marketing budgets, you know, the internet only reached you know, maybe 10% of people back then. And it was dial up and slow. And, um, and uh, he, you know, so we were looking for stunts and scrappy things that were really true to each city we were going to. Uh, and this guy, Stu, uh, came up with this amazing idea. And uh, in, the, in those days, every New York deli, it was pre-Starbucks, right? Every New York deli was where you went and got your coffee in the morning. And they all had those blue coffee cups with the Greek urn on them. Yeah, sure. Remember those, like that classic, and I don't know why, like one company made them and every deli in New York had them. <laughs> and he found the guy who made the cups and we had them reprinted with sidewalk.com on them and our logo. And it was like all of a sudden in the matter of a week, we bought a week's worth of cups for probably, I think the whole program was like $10,000. And every human in New York who went to get coffee at every deli in New York was like, what's this? <laughs> and there was a classic, um, there was a, like a classic, I guess it was like a, a post or an email that got sent to us that the publisher of the New York Times was sitting in his office, Salzburger, drinking out of one of those cups and trying to figure out how to compete with Sidewalk as the New York Times in New York. And it was <laughs> well, simple not, brilliance. Yeah, I was about to say simple brilliance and then secondary marketing when somebody's like, wait a minute, let's tell a story about this. And it just keeps on going. That's yeah, it was so genius. And it, I mean, it, I think we literally had to bring like $10,000 in cash to an alley somewhere <laughs> to, to get that done. It's it <laughs> That's great. That is so good. I love that. Um, so hypothetically, let's say you're talking to a startup founder who's starting to scale up their marketing efforts. Where would you, again, all hypothetically speaking, where would you uh, first encourage somebody who has no idea how to quote unquote market? Where do they start? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of like, you know, learning hands on. Um, so, you know, I think if you can find your way to like, you know, somebody who's doing, you know, uh, social marketing or someone at an agency, like, I think, you know, pretty much everywhere you look, um, marketing teams are understaffed, under resourced. The pace of marketing is sped up. The complexity is, you know, a thousand X what it used to be. You know, if you, if you offered your, you know, if you're a reasonably smart, curious person and you offered your skills for free, 
um, if you could find your way to somebody, I think you might be really surprised how many people would take you up on a, a free internship or a chance to tackle a project. Hmm. And that would at least get you, you know, I think a sense of, do you like marketing? Is it the kind of stuff you enjoy? Um, you know, I think that's a hands-on learning can be a great way to do it. If you're, you know, you didn't major in it or study it and stuff, just, just get in. It's, it's marketing and it's changing every day. It's not like, you know, it's not like being a surgeon where you have to learn specific skills. You can really learn it as you go. Um, you must have taught, uh, his name was Josh on our team. He reached out to me on LinkedIn. This was like five years ago and said, Hey Matt, I've been following your progress of launching your business. Can I come work for you for free? I'll do a marketing project. Um, I just want to learn. And he, there you I, go. I, yeah. I think he was a sophomore junior in college and I was like, dude, I, we'll pay you, but absolutely. So I, yeah. it's, it, it worked with me. So I, I love that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. How have like the, uh, the sort of unintentional, pl- uh, Joe Rogan podcast of the world or like the TikTok platforms of the world, both in the context of your business, but also in the context of just the way people think about marketing and PR and advertisement, how have those things disrupted and changed? And also, you know, how have they maybe not made it as much difference as people think? Uh, sure. I mean, I think, you know, social, um, social media has been a, you know, just a phenomenon and it keeps evolving, you know, from, uh, you know, the, the Facebook error to, you know, Facebook to, to Instagram to now it's, you know, TikTok and, um, you know, a million other iterations in between. And I think any platform with scale, um, is, is interesting, Right. So, um, you know, on iHeart, we uh, I think we have, at least as far as we can tell, we probably have the biggest social media footprint of pretty much any media company out there um, because we realize the power of that. And we're a we're you know, we're a programming company. We program content all day, every day. So we approach social the same way. And if our our listeners are on Facebook or our listeners are on uh, Instagram or Pinterest or Twitter or TikTok, um, we try to reach them there with what's appropriate um, from our content to bring to them. You know, we like to think of it like, you know, a Kiss FM or a Z100 is going to reach their listeners or your fans of The Breakfast Club or Ryan Seacrest or Bobby Bones. Um, They all have big social footprints and they're kind of, their strategy is a lot about constantly being part of their consumers' lives and inviting them into a conversation wherever they are. Um, social media has definitely changed broadcast radio because, you know, it used to be people would call in, right? There's the request line and the caller, you know, the caller line. And now that just happens all throughout the show. And so, you know, if you're Ryan Seacrest, you've got all your screens up and you can see instantly while you're talking live on air to millions of Americans, you can see, ooh, I hit, I hit a nerve. Ooh, people are like pissed about this and you can react and you can, you know, consumers can shape the live broadcast radio conversation through social, which we love. Same during our events, right? Social is a huge part of what happens during a Jingle Ball or an iHeartRadio music festival. And you can see the fans connecting, not just the ones in the arena, but fans who aren't even at the show, engaging and participating and following along. So we just see social as a great additional way to reach consumers, um, both for our talent, our podcasters. Um, We even introduced a new feature in the iHeartRadio app called TalkBack, 
um, where you can actually record a voice note and send it directly into a studio podcast studio or a broadcast radio studio while they're on the air. And they can share that, that with your actual voice, um, kind That's of the way cool. Collins used to work. Yeah. It's super cool. So we love everything that helps us connect with, you know, we reach 273 million listeners every month. Um, yeah, that's a number. Nielsen. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so for us, you know, everywhere we can connect with them and have another touch point and be a bigger part of their lives matters. So we love the proliferation of other, of other platforms and social, and we've really, we've been aggressive in, in really taking advantage of those opportunities. For sure. Um, so in, you know, with somebody whose uh, job and life is spent around uh, music and podcasts and um, all these different things, what do you during your downtime? What do you listen to? Do you not listen to music at all? Do you love music? Just when you're when you're trying to veg out, what do, what's your go to? Um, I love music. So um, and iHeart's really it's interesting. You know, I think a lot of um, a lot of what happens is you get busier as you get older, you have less time to discover new music and so one of the one of the side perks of working at iheart is i get to stay current on new music and i'm constantly like discovering new artists and you know sometimes i'm like meeting the artist before i've even heard their music um and so you know i always love when i have a little downtime starting to dig in and explore um explore some new music obviously um podcasting has just become um you know, a rocket ship for us. Like the growth is just insane. And we've, we've used the power of broadcast radio and its reach to build the biggest podcast network in the world. Um, and so I feel like as I'm constantly playing catch up as we were launching hundreds of shows every year and I'm like, Oh, I haven't heard that one. I haven't heard that. We launched that. We marketed that. I want to listen to it. So I spend a lot of my time trying to like, you know, sort of, um, get in touch with, you know, a lot of the music and the podcasting that we actually do. Um, you know, and then when I veg out, I'll watch some, you know, guilty pleasure, uh, <laughs> streaming shows and stuff as well. So. I love it. I love it. So Gail, uh, let's, so in, in the amazing career you've had, what's next for you? What's the, what's the next big checkbox, the next big project, the life mission? What's, what would be something that you're still really working towards? Ah, yeah. So you're hiring or, <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I am one of those people who like, I've, I've, I'm just not a big planner. Yeah. So I, you know, I've been, uh, you know, I have a word, uh, my wife and I say to each other a lot. I use the word mapalucky. Um, Can you say that one more time? Yeah. It's kind of my thing. My wife and I will, will look at each other and like, sometimes it's in the worst moments when you just want to be pissed off and things aren't going right, or you're having a crappy day, you know, and we'll just go, come on, how lucky are we? Like we get to do this and travel there and experience this. And, um, and it's, it's reminding yourself that how lucky you are to the point where you want to bounce up and down and smile like a Muppet. (laughs) <laughs> That's the, the phrase. I'm not exactly even sure how we started it, but, um, but for me, you know, that, that I just, you know, I've been so mappa lucky that <laughs> I've met amazing people at the right moments in my life who've presented new challenges or, or opportunities. And I've just kind of taken a leap to, you know, go to Redmond or, uh, you know, help rebrand a company. And, you know, I've just followed like big challenges and smart people and great things happen. So I've, I've never had a plan. I don't think I'm going to start making one now, 
But when the next big opportunity or amazing human comes along with a new challenge, hopefully I'll, I'll be ready and uh, fearless enough to take it. I love that. That's, uh, that's awesome. Uh, on your, on your word, you know, when you put your foot into a shoe and the back lip folds down and it bothers, like it <laughs> mess, I, as a baby, young, young kid, I called that ficky. So your shoe is ficky. So I have one myself if it helps. <laughs> See, it's great. It's Six. great. And our whole family says it. And it's one of those things was like, yep, that's been around and it's never going to go away. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it is the most annoying thing. Yep. Of course. It deserves a word. <laughs> now it could be a different four letter word or however you want to say it, but <laughs> so, um, uh, my, my, my favorite question in the planet, but I want, I'm going to ask two, but I want you to know the second one's coming. So, um, if we only, let's say we never spoke again, 30 minutes or 30 years together with somebody, however you want to describe it. And you, and, and I got to say, Gail did blank for me in my life. You got to fill in that blank for people. What would you want it to be? Uh, um, I think I would say something like, um, Gail made me laugh and she made me, uh, she made me better. Hmm. She helped me, right? She helped me be better. And uh, at the very least, hopefully I made you laugh. The worst thing you do in somebody's life and you, you made them laugh, I think that's a pretty impactful life. <laughs> It's a good thing. It's it's one of the most co simple cathartic things we often forget. You know, 100%. great marketing. It's it's almost the hardest marketing to do is is humor. Oh my god! Yeah, you know, it's yeah. um. But when you hit it, it's just you know the power is enduring. Yeah. So, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's um, I, you know, I love, I love the um. I love the opportunity we have here at iHeart. I, you know, I love the fact that we get to like inspire and educate people, but we're doing it in a space where um, we're, you know, our, we, we have the like opposite problem of most companies. We have nine out of 10 Americans as our consumers already. I just like love the challenge of trying to convince and explain and educate marketers about why they need to embrace audio. And then the most fun thing is when I when I get them intrigued, then we get to roll up our sleeves and get creative. So if I can be creative every day in my job, that's that's a pretty a pretty muppa lucky opportunity. <laughs> I love that. Well done. So for people that want to follow along, obviously iHeartRadio is a you know pretty well known brand, right? But for people <laughs> that want to follow along with you, the content you're kicking out. Uh, reach out. What's the best way for either of them to get a hold of you or follow along some of the amazing things that you're doing? Uh, good question. <laughs> um, um, I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't uh, put a lot of stuff out there. I do have a podcast coming out soon. I talked about called uh, Maybe You're Not the Target. Um, so look for that. That'll be coming soon on the iHeartRadio app um, and some really fun conversations with some genius marketers about uh, when marketing goes right and uh, why it goes wrong. That's, that's awesome. Well, Gail, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. This has been awesome. Terrific. Thanks, Matt.
you just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well, too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Matt Baxter Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye. <music>